Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Reconstruct Ed. I am your host, Dr. Nadira Jack, and I'm so excited because today I actually have students who are in the virtual field, and today we're going to be talking about the impact of COVID on student learning. So can I please have each of my guest panelists introduce themselves, tell our listeners what school you go to, what is your grade level, and what is something you are passionate about? I can start. Hi, my name is Jada Fowder. I am in seventh grade, and I go to Jersey City Global Charter School, and I am very passionate about journalism and just making a difference in my community and in my work. Thank you, Jada. Um, so my name is Sambi Kondabal, and I go to Jersey City Global Charter School as well. Um, so I'm fifth grade and I'm very passionate about making a change in the world and showing others that education is something that's very important and that we should all be mindful and be um, thankful that we have um, the opportunity to have education. Awesome. And lastly, but not least, Mr. Jacob Singh. My name is Jacob Singh. I go to St. Aloysius Elementary Academy, and I'm in grade six. One day, I would like to be an astrophysicist and study the future of our world. Thank you so much, Jacob. I love it because we have students from both the charter public school sector and the private school sector. So we're going to get a lot of different opinions. But first of all, let me just say, Everyone has amazing goals and aspirations, and I'm so excited to hear that because you all are the ones that are going to be the future leaders of our world and society and the ones that will have a positive impact on others. So keep doing these positive things that you are talking about. All right. So are we ready to dive in? Yes. Yes. Ready to talk about COVID? Are we ready to talk about school? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So first, let's start with this. Now, in my book, The Pedagogy of Consciousness, I really talk about the purpose of education. And a lot of researchers say a lot of different things. Some people say, well, we need education so we can train the next generation of students to become leaders. Or we need education because everyone needs to have a job when they grow up. But what do you think the purpose of education in society should serve? I think that education is needed for us because we need to and should develop different skills that we might need that we can't find from home or we can't find anywhere else besides school. And I also think that education helps us and school helps us because there's one thing to be taught and there's one thing to be educated. And one thing I like to always say is that education is really important because to be educated, you're de- you're digging deeper and you're um truly finding the true meaning of what you're trying to learn. So education is definitely important and will help us in the real world. I think we need education to prepare us for adulthood and how we can help our families and others in succeeding in life. That is such an interesting point, I believe learning should be connected to the real world because that's the only way we're going to have a positive impact on students and society. There are certain things we have to teach students, certain things that are in the curriculum that kind of take up 
a whole lot of time and stray away from these real life skills that you all, children, students, learners in the field are telling me like, hey, the purpose of education is really to teach us real life skills. That's what we are looking for. Great. Okay. So let's talk about COVID. And I know this is a word that you're probably really, really tired of hearing, but I want to talk about it from the student perspective. A majority of schools within the United States and globally as well, abruptly close without any notice. And then we began to engage in virtual learning. And now let's be clear, virtual learning has been around for quite some time, but typically at the higher level of education. This was the first time that we were seeing public schools and masses of educational institutions use virtual learning to educate students. And now I have to admit, guys, as a school administrator, when COVID began to impact us the way it did, I was extremely nervous and anxious, not only for the safety and security of staff members and students, but also because we were transitioning into something that was new territory for us. I immediately thought of how could we ensure that our students were receiving a high quality education virtually when we were faced with these changes at such a rapid pace. So how did you feel about COVID as a student? How did it impact you? Um, so that made me feel like, um, you could say school, like I was going to, you could say not be able to co communicate with my friends anymore because like, in school, we have lunch, we have um, snack, or we just have like free time to talk sometime if we finish our work early. But now we're on, we're in virtual learning. So the teacher can't always put us in breakout rooms and tell us, oh, um, you can all talk amongst yourself. Because that will just be, because we, um, as you said before, have a lot of curriculum to cover. And it gets kind of like, it won't always be so helpful allowing like when the teachers allow us to talk and just talk about random topics when it's not related to um, school or anything. So that was one of the things that like really impacted schools and COVID. Another thing, many students didn't have um, very good internet and they might have not had devices. So it was very hard for them and their parents because they also have to um, situate everything and make sure their child's getting the right type of, like, they're getting correct education, they're on task, and they're overall just performing great. So that was also one of the things that many others were struggling with. But I think, like, after a while, everyone got the hang of it. So I know that when we closed down, I know that my school closed down on March 13th. It was a Thursday, I remember. And I felt a lot of fear and a lot of sadness when I got the notification that we were going to close for two weeks because I wouldn't see my teachers and my friends, but also I didn't know how different it would be and how effective it would be to learn from a classroom through a computer screen. And it was pretty scary because I also, the thoughts that were running through my mind was, well, how serious is this thing? And can it, can it potentially like, Kill, kill a lot of people. So I was definitely scared for all of us. 
And I just really hoped and prayed that my family was safe and that everybody was safe and that soon it would just end. Mm -hmm. And Jake, do you want to contribute anything here? How did COVID make you feel? Now you were attending a private school. So tell us what that experience was like in a private school. So at first, when we heard that we were going to be at home for like three weeks, I thought, okay, it's just going to be normal. We're going to, you know, they're going to post these assignments on Google Classroom. and We're going to get them done. We're going to take pictures of it and then we're going to submit it. It's going to be like that for only three weeks. But that turned out to be over a year. Yeah, those three weeks. I mean, I have to tell you, from the administrative standpoint, we pretty much thought like, okay, we may be closed for a month. And then I think we realized the seriousness of it when that closure was extended over a longer period of time. Like those three months became four and five. And then before we knew it, hey, summer was here and it was fall again. And then we were faced with that decision. Do we reopen? While we kind of all knew, hey, it's still not safe yet. And I think as a school leader, for me personally, my priority was the safety and security of staff members and students, making sure everyone was safe. So if that meant, listen, we're going to have to be shut down for a while, then we're going to have to be shut down for a while. I want to talk about how COVID impacted you at home with your family. You know, for example, were your caregivers considered to be essential workers? Did they have to go out into the field for work? And did that add to your stress levels as well on top of everything going on? Um, so like my parents were working from home and it was quite a lot because my sister has school, my parents are working from home and I have school and everyone's online and it gets like very, you could say, um, Hectic. everything's clashing together, you could mm-hmm. say. So that was one of the things, like those, those, that was one of the down points of COVID because everything was clashing together with work from home um, and school. You know, I think we all can definitely relate. Things were hectic. And I think that's where you mentioned the issue of having enough devices or having good internet services because if everyone is on the same internet router, um, you know, it becomes difficult. If something's wrong or something's off or we don't have the equipment or the material we need to have a successful day at school or a successful day at work, that kind of impacts everyone in the household, correct? Yes. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, it's interesting. I think that as school leaders and educators, we have to take into consideration during this time, we're not just dealing with one student. We're dealing with families that are working and learning from home in multiple grade levels and being able to be flexible and demonstrate that sense of adaptability. Like, hey, maybe Sanvi can't get on the Zoom right now, but she's got a lot going on in her household. And I think that teachers were awesome and are phenomenal superheroes because we have some teachers that were like, you know what? It's okay if you can't get on at that time. I will record the session. I will meet with you after school. And so we saw a lot of great things Uh, from educators during this time of COVID. So I would love to talk about what your remote instruction 
instructional day looked like? And did it mirror what your day at a school site normally looked like? Or was it completely different? My day, it was pretty close to what um, my day would look like in school. But the only difference was that you could say we had to keep um, after school meetings and sessions with our friends because we had group work. And it was it, it took up a lot of time because online, everything we're doing virtually, we're doing homework virtually, like we're submitting everything online. And it sometimes you could say it's very time consuming and we don't really get time for the stuff that we need to do. And that was one main thing that was different. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I think we mostly had the same thing. Like, except now that we're online, it's expected that a few things will change. But overall, it was like mostly the same. Good. I mean, that's good to hear. And Jake, what about you? Was your schedule the same or was it different? It was somewhat different mm-hmm. because we had to wake up a bit earlier. But at the same time, the classes were were weird and like I was still getting used to it because it wasn't just like one class how I have it right now. It's different Zoom classes. So your schedule sounds like it changed altogether. You were up earlier. Now, did your classes end earlier? Does your day end earlier than it normally would? It did. There were like maybe four 45-minute classes. Wow. And you were required to show up for those virtually and complete the work? Yes. Okay. So whatever you didn't complete in virtual class, I'm assuming the remainder of the time each day was used to complete that work and submit. Yes. They would post everything on Google Classroom. So we had it there and we could submit it there. Okay, so you are the Google Classroom Pro then. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, great. And and Jada, what about you? I saw that you wanted to add something. So I'm in middle school. I'm going to eighth grade next year. And I have to say that my schedule, it was a big change for me, sort of, because yes, we had to wake up. It was an advantage that that we got to wake up a little bit later, but my classes that I were used to being long got cut a lot shorter. And I actually combined classes with my other um, with my other class in my grade. So it was pretty hard to adjust to because there was a lot of people in one Zoom. And I wasn't used to the fact that I went from about 18 kids to about 30 to 40 kids in a Zoom meeting, which was pretty hectic and hard because um, it was it was sort of a lot, especially for the teachers, because they were trying to get everybody's opinion and trying to get everybody to participate. And I feel that me too, when I talk to my friends, it feels a little bit awkward because some of us are not used to just being in such a big setting like that. So, Absolutely. I mean, 30 to 40 kids is a lot for a Zoom session. I think even realistically, you know, 25 kids is a lot for a Zoom session for one teacher to manage. Was there any support 
in your classes at this time? So for example, maybe uh, student interns or instructional aides that helped with small group sessions, because that is an overwhelming number. I can understand how you would be frustrated. And, and in a way that would cause some sense of anxiety for a child. Yeah, totally. So we were blessed with a couple of interns. So the classes that we did combine, which were math and ELA, we had about, so in ELA, we would have four, I believe four teachers. So we would have two interns, Miss Natalie and Mr. Lydell, who would come in and help us. And then for math, we would have one um, teacher's aide, Miss Romero, and two interns, Miss Dowdy and Miss F, along with our two main math teachers. So although it was a lot of people in one Zoom, there was a lot of help and a lot of support from the teachers and administration. Awesome. So it sounds like, first of all, Jada just gave a couple of teachers and assistants shout out. So shout out to them. Um, but it sounds like what your school did was make sure that there was a small student to teacher ratio in terms of you had whole group instruction with a large group. Um, and then they would do small pullout sessions. I'm assuming in breakout rooms with instructors or assistants that could help you. Okay. So I want to get into some things. Can we get into some things, guys? Can we really talk? I want to really talk. I want to talk about how your teachers delivered instruction. And I want your thoughts on that. Was it fun? Was it engaging? Was it innovative? Or was it all just lecture style? Tell us, tell us, give us all the deets we want to know. Um, so like my teachers, we at the start of the school year, like everyone was new with virtual learning. We didn't really know much technologies like to make virtual learning so engaging and like you could say fun, but it was still fun and engaging. We have learned new technologies, new websites, and we use them now, like once in a while, for example, if you want to um, review a topic, or if it's just a day when some students are catching up on their work, and others are already ca- caught up, and then they're like, oh, let's do a review on this topic, so that you're also doing something educational. Um, it was very helpful, instead of just having classes doing homework, classes doing homework, or classes doing group work. So that really gave us a break from um, just learning, learning, learning. But we were still learning um, during the games or, like you could say, educational fun activities. So it was like learning, but in another way. Sounds like your teachers did a lot to make learning innovative and fun. And they actually gamified lessons, if I'm hearing you correctly. Jada, I see you nodding your head. Would you agree? I totally agree. My teachers, and one thing I just love, I get very excited to go to class because they do get gamify and make the lessons um, more fun. Um, going into just virtual learning, I honestly thought it would be pretty boring and it would be just us taking notes and us taking tests and us taking our assessments and just being tested on the knowledge that we would learn. But I'm happy and proud to say that my teachers find some cool and innovative ways and really become creative when it comes to our um, education and them teaching our lessons, which shows how much they really care and try to make it fun for us. Awesome. And curious to hear our private school guru, Jake, 
you know, what was your experience like or is like, because you still are virtual to some extent? So it was more of learning, but at the end of each day, we would all socialize with the teacher, how we're doing at home, how's learning and yeah, for having fun. Awesome. So would you say guys that you maybe got more time with your teachers virtually? You were able to spend uh, more time learning about them and doing extracurricular activities virtually as opposed to in person when things are kind of the busyness of the day just kind of flows in and it gets to you. Yes. Do you want to give an example, Jada, of how you have been able to get to know your teachers more and interact with them and develop that relationship? So one thing I love about virtual learning is sometimes it can be hard on us and our teachers um, see that. Our teachers really see how hard it is. They see our emotions and they do feel us. So they do, we do have some conversations and go into depth on how hard it might be and go into family life. And it's really great because we get to learn about our teachers through um, the struggles that we all go through and the struggles that we're all sharing, especially during a hard time. I love that you mentioned something so important that I talk about in my book as well, like this family unit. And really see in your classroom environment as, hey, we are a family. I think that's so important for school culture and climate. And just to build and sustain positive relationships with teachers. Has anyone else had a similar experience where virtually you were able to kind of create this family unit in your classroom? Um, so one thing a few of our friends did was that, like, once a week, you could say, because every day won't be possible, but at least once a week, um, we would, like, get together for at least 15 to 30 minutes, like, not so long, but it's still some time, and we would talk about things, it would usually be during lunch or, like, 15 minutes after school, as we also have to do, like, our homework and other stuff, so that really helped us, like, oh, it really gave us the feeling that we're... Even though we're not in person and we're not seeing each other, we're still able to communicate at least a bit instead of just not able to communicate at all. So that was kind of um, one, you could say, solution we found to not being able to communicate so much. And I feel that that was really great as we could share what we were doing lately, um, what, how everyone was doing on their progress for their homework or any assignments. And what we were all struggling on or what we were all doing good in. So that was like a checkpoint for all of us. That's awesome to hear. And Sanvi, you bring up a great detail that I want to touch upon for a little bit. Um, progress monitoring, assessments, tests, quizzes. How were you assessed virtually? Because traditionally, you know, teachers do either project-based learning or... Um, pencil and paper tests, assessment quizzes, what have you. But now you're virtual. So did that change? And what did those assessments look like for you? It kind of stayed the same. And it also kind of um, changed too. It was like half of it changed, half of it stayed the same. So we still had um, tests and assessments, but it was on a different basis. Like when we were in person, we would have tests like um, checkpoint tests, like almost every Friday. And 
that's why many of the kids were like, oh, no, it's Friday. We have tests today. <laughs> but now um, it's a bit different. Like, for example, if you finish a module or, like, when we finish a certain topic in a module, um, we usually have, like, a test. But before the test, we would have, like, at least a review day or we could all make our study guides and discuss with others of what we're going to be doing. And um, we usually don't have as many tests as we would at like when you're in person, like that's for ELA and other subjects. But for math, uh, this year, the modules are a bit shorter and the teachers need to make sure that you're on track because math, you can get lost very easily because there's so much stuff. So in math, we have frequent tests, ELA, not so frequent as before. Like now we have it like once bi-weekly or at least once a week instead of having every single Friday in every single week of the um, school year. Mm, that's interesting. Would anyone else like to chime in on that topic area about assessments and how that changed? So the teachers would make Google Forms for the test assignments, and then we would submit it through Google Classroom, and so it was easier for them to grade in. I think that's easier. Why do you think that's easier? Because it's just way better than writing on paper with like a pen or a pencil and then having to take a picture and submit it. Yeah, I would like to continue it in the future. So when like the deadline didn't start, even the teachers understood that, oh, this is new to all the students. So for the first, I think about two months, you could say, the deadlines were not as strict as before, and the like, teachers were a bit more lenient, you could say, for deadlines. But after that, when everyone got a hang, some students didn't really take it seriously because they're like, oh, the teacher is so lenient, so we don't really have to submit anything on time. Looks like we'll still get a good grade and our report card will still be good. But the teachers noticed that, so they made, the, you could say, the deadlines a bit more stricter, and... Unless you had um, a valid reason that, oh, you didn't submit your assignment on time, they would not take it, um, you could say, in consideration. I think, you know, this is what we refer to as like the teacher reality check, right? The teachers are giving you, hey, you know, we're being flexible here, but you can't take advantage. Um, mm -hmm. And teachers are really smart. <laughs> you know, we can tell things and we see things coming and, and we'll get on you because we know that you are capable of doing your best work and, and rising to the occasion. So I think this is a great place for us to pause our conversation. Listeners, we talked a lot today with students about their experience with virtual learning, and they shared some very innovative insights regarding what worked well and what did not. Thank you, Jada, Sanvi, and Jake for your really candid honesty. You shared some things with us that we absolutely needed to hear as educators, school leaders, and caregivers as well. For our next episode, we will continue this discourse and focus more on the social-emotional learning component, as well as explore the relationships that students built with educators during this time. Now, listeners, as you are reflected on today's episode, take a moment and talk to the children in your life. Ask them simply if they are okay.
Conduct ongoing wellness checks with them, at least on a weekly basis. And think about the ways in which we all, but children in particular, have been deeply impacted by virtual learning and COVID. Have conversations with them about their anxieties, their frustrations, and the challenges they experience, and use this as an opportunity to calm their spirit and prep them for the reopening of school in the fall. Listeners, please also remember, if there's a story you would like for us to share or a topic area you would love for us to discuss, please do not hesitate to hit us up on social media at Nadira Jack, because we always look forward to connecting with you to reconstruct education. Until next time, I'm sending you guys lots of love, light, and positive energy.